0: Welcome to the Galloway Podcast. This is episode 21 where we are talking college football week two. Scott Moore from I Talk ACC will join the podcast here momentarily through the hotline here I'm your host William Galloway. You can follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to kind of hear what I have to say, hear what Scott has to say, and I hope you give us a follow on SoundCloud and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter as well. And where we are pushing new content out every day with this podcast, trying to grow this podcast and expand. Really appreciate all you listeners uh, taking the time to listen. And I want to hear what you have to say about the podcast. I want to hear what your thoughts and your opinions are. And so... Be sure to follow on Twitter because there's a lot of interaction that ends up on the podcast. Today we're talking with Scott Moore, as I said, of Italk SEC, and going through Week 2 of college football and previewing Week 3. But before we get into the interview with Scott, I want to give a shout-out to Brett Taylor. He said Alabama would win 62-6, to the Crimson Tide beat New Mexico State yesterday, 62-10. to So he is the college football Week 2 score prediction winner here on the Galloway Podcast. That's Brett Taylor predicted alabama 62 to 6 and the crimson tide 162 to 10 so congratulations brett and without further ado we're going to bring in scott moore and talk about the alabama game talk about the texas game talk about tennessee and what's going wrong and so let's not wait any longer let's bring in scott thank you so much for listening be sure to follow him on Twitter follow me on Twitter share the podcast let me know all your thoughts opinions questions whatever you have I want to hear uh, in regards to this podcast really want to cultivate listener interaction and so really appreciate all you guys listening out there so here is Scott Moore on the Galloway podcast joining the Galloway podcast now is Scott Moore of ITalk SEC here on the Galloway podcast hotline Scott how you doing we have
1: good talk to you, buddy. It's a Sunday, and we uh, gotten through week two now, and, and hopefully the temperatures will go away with this. So, uh,
0: yeah, man, interesting weekend of college football. Looking forward to, to talking with you about it. Yeah, we had uh, a lot of heat here in Tuscaloosa, and uh, unfortunately saw a few stretchers come in to the stadium and take some people out yesterday. But there weren't many people to take out in the end of the game. There were probably... Less than 60,000 people uh, in the last five minutes of that fourth quarter. But it, Alabama did get the win. They're 2-0, and uh, 62-10 yesterday over New Mexico State. Uh, but before we jump into that game, let's talk about the top ten because just a few hours ago uh, the new top ten AP poll was released. Clemson is one, Alabama is two, Georgia three, LSU four, Oklahoma five, Ohio State six, Notre Dame seven, Auburn eight, Florida nine, and Michigan ten. Scott, what stands out to you about – this new top ten entering week three.
1: You know, probably obviously the the, the jump LSU made. There there's a there's a lot of talk last night, obviously, with Kirk and, and Reese on on maybe moving LSU up to, to number one in the country. And uh listen, I, I think what LSU's done has been great. You know, the passing game is great, but listen, I get carried away as a Big Twelve defense last night. That, those kind of you know numbers are routinely put up by Big 12 quarterbacks. We saw that with Jalen Hurts a week ago uh, against Houston, even though that Houston's not a Big 12 team. But, listen, Texas has got eight new starters on defense. And, uh, I mean, we're is LSU better? Yeah. They are a much better football team. And, and Joe Burrow played extremely well. I don't want to take anything away from what he did. But ask yourself this, the national championship teams, which you know that's what they're saying LSU is now. Do they give up 38 points a game or, or, or on, a, on a Saturday night? No, absolutely they don't. not. So, uh, so you know, there's we're we're getting premature. But are they one of the four best teams in the country today? Probably so. I like Ohio State too, though. William. We Ohio State is really good. They still got the best roster, I think, in the Big Ten. One through eighty five. I picked Ohio State to win. The, uh, the Big Ten earlier this year, and I, and I, th- I still think the Big Ten gets a rep in the playoff, and I think it's going to be Ohio State. So uh, it's interesting. We know that the, the three SEC teams are never going to get in the playoff the way this thing shakes out with with Georgia having to play either Alabama uh, or LSU maybe in the SEC title game. So it's, it's a little short-lived. It's, a, it's very interesting to have three of the top four. But uh, but right now, I think there are probably six teams that are a little bit better than everybody else, and then everybody else is trying to catch them right now. Yeah,
0: there's there's definitely a gap somewhere in there, and, and different people want to draw the line at different places. Right. But I think once you get past that kind of that right now, where Ohio State is six and Notre Dame is seven, there's a little bit of a fall out there, uh, and you'll yep. see, like you said, teams. Um, Auburn, LSU, Alabama, everybody start beating each other up. Georgia, of course, has to play, as you mentioned, Alabama and Auburn. But, uh, Scott, let's get into this Alabama game yesterday. The Crimson Tide's 62-10 win over New Mexico State was Coach Saban's 22nd all-time win in home openers. He's now 22-2 in home openers. Uh, Alabama has won 27 straight in Bryant-Denny. Alabama has now won 84 against unranked opponents. All these numbers the Tide put up, I think it was 603 yards of offense, Uh, uh, and Alabama's forced three turnovers yesterday, and from a stat I saw, has forced a turnover in 56 of its last 61 contests. Um, so, what stood out to you about the Alabama game yesterday, and what can the what can the Tide take away uh, from a game like that, where it's a blowout, really, and and you know you're going to win from the start, um, and you're going into SEC play this week? What can Alabama take away?
1: Well, I like the quick start. It was definitely a contrast from last week against Duke. Uh, you know, it took a whole quarter to get things going. So, first play for scrimmage, you get a uh, a lateral, which you know was essentially a pass to, to Henry Ruggs, and he ran away from the defense. And so, bam, one play, seventy-five yards, and you come out of the gate. So that that was important. Get a quick start against a team that's outmatched. And, and, you know, and go ahead and try to put them away and demoralize them a little bit so you can play a lot of people. But, uh, you know, I I thought they executed well. I thought Jerry uh, Jerry Judy had another spectacular game. I thought Tua uh, looked well. Uh, You know, there's still issues in the – you know, when we get nitpicky about the ball game, there's still – there's still still things in the offensive line from a continuity standpoint that's got to be worked out. I I think – People and, and fans are concerned about the and, and listen, they ran for a lot of yards yesterday, but I think people are, are concerned about the push. I think protection is an issue right now. And the good thing is these things are correctable. I also think, too, William, when Alabama gets uh, – when they, when they get uh, Deontay Brown back uh, and they'll get him back in two weeks against uh, Ole Miss, I think the run game is going to look entirely different with him in there. He's one of the better run blockers in America, uh, he's huge. He 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 brings more size and dimension to the Alabama offensive line, and and then they may get a Echour uh, back at center as well. So th- I still think they're trying to find the best five guys on that offensive front, uh, and they're going to tinker with it maybe a little bit more this week. Uh, but you 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 got to you got to start finding that out as we get into SEC player play here in the next couple of weeks. But it, it's hard to nitpick a game. You know, when you blow somebody out, and I think I think people are probably a little upset with the defense, you know, giving up a long drive like yesterday. and uh, But, listen, it was hot, very, very hard, hot. It's hard to play games, as you know, in those conditions at a high level. And so, listen, I, this is a typical second game uh, for Alabama, the way I look at it. And when Alabama struggled, You know, they lost a couple of games years back against Ole Miss, second game of the year, uh, struggled in run blocking against certain teams. Western Kentucky a few years back didn't play well in game two. So I'm not going to get alarmed about it. I think all these things are correctable. And I still think when Alabama gets its injured and guys back off suspension in the offensive front, I think they're going to be fine.
0: I think they will too. And you talked about the discontinuity on the offensive line. Obviously – um, just kind of jumbling pieces around right now. I really do believe, just like, as you said, Alabama will figure that out and kind of figure out who needs to be where uh, within the coming weeks. But it has been good to see some new names and different people try out different positions. And the, and, and like you said, we we ran for plenty of yards, ran for 318 yesterday and had uh, six different ball carriers. And so the Crimson Tide trying new things out on offense, especially when it comes to the running game. Uh Scott, when you look at Alabama's schedule this year, this is something we talked about before the season, and everybody yep. talks about all the time. Coach Saban addressed it yesterday in his post-game press conference. But Alabama gets who they can to play them, and uh, New Mexico right. State, of course, wanted the opportunity to come to Tuscaloosa and play Alabama. But what do you say to everybody that thinks Alabama doesn't have a tough schedule and games like these are really pointless?
1: Well, uh, you know we all know William at the end of the year when when, when Alabama gets to November and you've got LSU and then he follows up with Mississippi State and then you go to Auburn uh, and then if you if you get through that, you get to go play probably in Atlanta against Georgia and, and the schedule the schedule is going to go out out the door and, and and the weakness of the schedule is going to go out the door too. Uh, it, you know it, it, it is what it is. Um, we all want to see great matchups, uh, power five matchups and all that kind of stuff. But every, everybody's playing these kind of games. Florida played Middle Tennessee. Auburn played Tulane. And, uh, and Auburn struggled with Tulane last night. And so Georgia, uh, for the first half, they were in a little battle over there with Murray State till some things went, went, uh, went in the right direction for the Bulldogs. So some, some of these games are necessary, um, and they're made years in advance. But you you really can't do anything about it, like Nick Saban said yesterday. I mean, the home schedule this year with Arkansas and Tennessee and LSU, hey, William, in the past, you go back 10 years ago, uh, Arkansas and and Tennessee and LSU all on the schedule at home. Those were three three iffy games, too, on your schedule. So uh, I think Nick Saban had a great response, but I do believe when we get to November – and the first playoff rankings come out, and you got an undefeated Alabama and an undefeated LSU, if these two teams take care of business, then the strength of schedule and
0: all that stuff, it's going to be a moot point, I think, at that point. Yeah, and it—it like you said, it'll settle itself out. Um, And and plenty of people struggled, and one team that struggled, obviously, is Tennessee. So let's take a look now, Scott, at that Tennessee game. Uh, What's next for the Vols? Where, where does Jeremy Pruitt go from here? There was a moment at the end of the game last night where I thought, is he going to have an office in Knoxville on Monday? Because, I mean, obviously you need to keep him trying to figure things out. But to, after two losses, two embarrassing losses, games they should not lose. Granted, BYU is much more uh, is a much stiffer competition than their week one opponent in Georgia State. But what do you do if you're Tennessee?
1: Well, I'll tell you this: We on Jay's show Friday. This was my upset special of the week. I actually picked BYU to win the game, twenty-four to twenty-one, Friday. Okay, and and so it didn't it did not shock me at all that BYU won the ball game. Now, listen, Tennessee played well in spurts last night, but a couple of key breakdowns late. I mean, listen, you're you're playing three D coverage. It's uh, BYU is out of timeouts. And you cannot let anybody get behind you. Uh, any, anything in front of you is fine with no timeouts. But you can't let anybody get behind you and run free when you're in, you know, when you're in a in a in a three D defense, just trying to keep things in front of you. That was inexcusable. It was a breakdown that shouldn't happen. And that one play cost Tennessee the game. You, you let BYU back in it right there. But Tennessee had a couple of chances for knockout punches last night. They were better. They ran the football better, and they—I thought they played very, very well. Now, that's not going to make Tennessee fans happy. Um, BYU with a huge win last night in Knoxville, and now with Tennessee's schedule, you know, going forward, William, it is really going to be difficult, particularly towards the end of September with Florida, and then Georgia, and then South Carolina, and then Alabama. Those don't look like winnable games.
0: Not at not I mean. at all. Yeah, they
1: look like blowouts. So Tennessee getting back to a bowl game this year, which is something I think a lot of us with this schedule thought they may be able, might be able to do, is probably not going to happen. But you know, I, t- I know Tennessee fans are out of patience, and and we and the other thing with this staff, you know, this staff has sixteen national championships collectively on it. Wow. that's what kind of staff that Jeremy Pruitt put together there. It's a great staff. They got great coaches up there, you know. But this was a talent. This is a talent issue, I think, with Tennessee. They just aren't very good one through eighty-five in that roster. And quite frankly, they're besides Zimmer, Vanderbilt right now it's probably probably the worst team uh, in the southeastern conference. And, and then maybe you go Arkansas. It's
0: it's a tough look for the SEC when you lose two non-conference games like that, and you've got a historically good Tennessee team, but a team in the past in recent years that has been struggling uh and you just you just kind of baffled when you look at the team but impressive on your end as on the call is the upset of the week so you got that one and you were you were right there um on on the score as well in the ballpark there Uh, final was 26 23 i believe yesterday in Nealon stadium um While I was watching that game, Scott, I was flipping back and forth between Texas LSU because that was such a good game. And then you had the overtime and the fourth quarter of the Texas game and an overtime of the uh, Tennessee game kind of coincided. So we're flipping back and forth, but flipping over to (laughs) Austin last night. What did you see in LSU? Obviously, Joe Burrow with an incredible game. I think it was 31 for 39, 471 yards, four touchdown and interception. Incredible play from him, two weeks in a row, really, but against uh, a Texas team that a lot of people have, have been very high on. And, and LSU kind of holding the SEC down uh, last night against Texas. What did you see in the LSU win over the Longhorns?
1: Well, it's the first time in school history that LSU's had three receivers gain 100 yards uh, through the air uh, and, and receiving yards. That's never happened. He, 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 that's kind of, you know, considering who LSU's had at wide receiver over the last decade, that that was surprising that that's never happened in school history. Um, I think they had a couple of huge performances last night. Uh, the thing that surprised me the most is uh, LSU had receivers just running free most of the night, and, uh, and really Joe Burrow did a great job of, of kind of picking and choosing the open guys. And, uh, again, Texas is, you know, their defensive backs, their defensive scheme last night, they had torched kind of like Oklahoma did to them twice last year. I know they beat Oklahoma one time, but they, they Texas, is, they're not back. They don't have the talent yet on that roster to compete with somebody in the SEC. They, they made a great game of it because of Sam Ellinger and his competitive nature. and, he is uh, the heart and soul of that, uh, of that Texas team, but for Texas to get back, uh, it's not the offenses issue. It, it's it's a defensive side of the ball issue for them, and that's pretty much for the entire Big 12 as well. So, uh, but I thought LSU, you know, eventually they have, they were going to get big plays because they were kind of taking what the defense gave them, uh, and then little short passes that turned into to big plays on the night. So. Uh, listen, when they had a score, too, and Texas got back in the ball game, and LSU had the answer, they did. That's the right. mark of a good quarterback. And right now, Joe Burrow, to me, probably looks as improved uh, as any quarterback in the country when you look at what he did last year to where they are now. And really, that's been the question for LSU. It's not really their physicality or their defense or, or overall athleticism. It's their explosiveness on offense. Uh, I still think they've got to get better in the running game. But, uh, and, and we'll see how they do once they start playing the Floridas and the Alabamas and the Auburns and, and the everybody else that you got to take on in the SEC West. But, man, this is a great start for LSU. And, and you, I think you and I talked about this a few weeks ago on Jay's show. When, if they were going to get by this game, it, it's hard to find a slip-up uh, on that schedule going into Alabama. Now they get Auburn at home, they get Florida at home, I look for them to win both those games. Auburn hadn't won in Baton Rouge uh, since 99, and Florida will have a very difficult time there as well. So should be two undefeated teams uh, when LSU goes to Tuscaloosa.
0: A couple things uh, to note on that LSU game at Texas last night. LSU, I think, was 0-10 previously on the road against top ten opponents, and so they got uh, their first win against the top 10 program on the road. Maybe it was program history. Maybe it was just the last 10 games, uh, now the last 11 games. And also you talked about uh, Burrow just making big plays and kind of taking what the defense gave him, that third and 17 late in the game when LSU got that last touchdown. That, that to me, kind of epitomized the game in the fact that the Texas defense was just – it, it was almost there, but it wasn't there. And, yep. and LSU was making the plays they needed to make when they needed to make them. And so that kind of stands out to me as kind of if you had to pick one play from the game saying, well, what kind of summarizes the game and how the two teams played? It was, it was Texas holding them to a third and 17 and then LSU pushing forward, getting that touchdown to kind of put the nail in the coffin, if you will.
1: Yeah, LSU, you give him credit. I mean, uh, listen, Edwards ran a year ago, I wasn't sure he was going to even make it through the year as the coach. And uh, you know they got rid of Joe Oliva, the athletic director. All of a sudden, recruits kind of sensed some stability in Baton Rouge. They 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 backed up this year and followed that up with another. Where it looks like it's going to have another outstanding class. Uh, probably at least it's no worse than a top three class for them this year. So so Ed Orgeron has been able to put all that negativity negativity behind them, mainly with the win over Miami and Auburn last year, a ten win season. And now, listen to this. This is crazy. Since they lost to Alabama 29 to nothing, LSU's last four games, they've scored 40 or more points in the last five games that they played. Wow. That is a remarkable stat when you look at the futility against Alabama in November when it was 29 to nothing. So, yeah, they've made some big strides offensively. And uh, and, and the quarterback coach that they brought in, Brady from, uh, from New Orleans, the passing game coordinator. He has made a big difference
0: in this football team. He has. LSU has done tremendous. I didn't realize that stat. That is that is really telling crazy? Of, of kind of a bounce back. Um, but, wow. that's So I'm excited to see, you know, obviously the upcoming schedule and then a lot leading up to that Alabama game in November, which I think was talking at dinner last night, and, and that's all but guaranteed to be college game day. Uh, I'm sure we'll see. Uh, the whole crew come down to Tuscaloosa for that game because that's going to be probably, I mean, a, definitely a top-five matchup at that point. So we'll see college Campaign yep. that weekend. Um, elsewhere in the SEC last night, uh, Vanderbilt struggled with Purdue losing 42-24 to uh, on the road. South Carolina got a big win. Of course, the Crimson Tide traveling to Columbia next weekend. Uh, Missouri avenged themselves from the week one loss and defeated West Virginia 38-7. But a couple other SEC games, Clemson with the win over Texas A&M, Georgia over Murray State, Auburn over Tulane, as you mentioned, Florida over UT Martin, Kentucky over Eastern Michigan, um, and Ole Miss over Arkansas. What and Just, just in brief, what did you see uh, from some of those SEC games? A lot of them were not against great opponents. Um, but there was a conference game. And is there anything that stood out to you about the week two play from other SEC schools outside of Alabama? Yeah, Missouri's
1: bounced back. I expected that. Uh they were they were a 14-point favor of West Virginia. I thought they would really explode offensively. They did. Kelly Bryant had another great game. The AM game yesterday. Kellen Mom was very disappointing. Uh, was very inaccurate most of the day. They, they uh, I, I thought a And M. Believe it or not, I thought they really struggled with the conditions yesterday uh, over at Clemson. You wouldn't think that'd be the case if, if anybody's ever been to Texas. listening to this broadcast. They know how fr- freaking how hot it is out in Texas right. and, and difficult. It, it's a different kind of heat out there. I actually thought a And M would uh, would actually play better uh, in that con- in those conditions yesterday and. And, and, and they were wilting. They had cramping issues all afternoon. Uh, their defensive line, uh, I think, multiple injuries and, and, and stuff that guys missed multiple snaps in the ball game yesterday. And that led to a little continuity with, with Clemson. And, you know, Clemson uh, played extremely well uh, with, with Kelly Bryant making some big plays. But that game was a whole lot closer than everybody thinks. Kellen Mine, they moved the ball, but. I, he probably had seven or eight drops in the ball game yesterday, four of which would have kept drives alive. He threw a pick down on the goal line at Taylor. That uh, Tanner Muse got inside the, the two yard line, which was just a bad throw and a bad look. And but A and M had trouble running the football. We, we probably thought that was going to be the case. And, and, and I thought Clemson played okay yesterday. It wasn't dominating. But I just thought A&M helped them a lot, uh, the way they played yesterday. I expected a whole lot more. Uh, you know, quite frankly, William, the, A&M's had all spring and all summer to get ready for this football game from a scheme standpoint, from an attack mode standpoint, everything. And, and then Jimbo's familiarity with Clemson. That's probably why the game ended up you know, being, being fairly close in terms of the spread. But I, I thought Kellen mom was off. I thought his receivers were off. And I thought A and M really struggled with the elements and and that that kinda surprised me yesterday the way that game unfolded.
0: I was unable to see a snap as I was in the stadium an hour before kickoff. And then of course the game ended while we were still in Bryant Denny watching Alabama take on New Mexico state. <laughs> but we, I did see that, that Clemson, uh, so you, so you're my eyes and ears on that, Scott. Uh, I did see that Clemson had 17 in the second quarter and just kind of was able to, to put their foot down and kind of make a statement there. And then only allowed three and in points in that first half, which came in the second quarter. Yeah. Um, uh, Looking ahead to Week Three, Alabama South Carolina, I guess is it would be the headline matchup for the weekend. But um, yeah, we talked about we talked about schedules, and there's there's not a whole lot of of fun things uh, in the SEC on this this week's schedule. But let's talk about the challenges that South Carolina can bring to Alabama, if any, and um, what. What week three presents to certain teams? I mean, you look at Tennessee, and they've got a, they're have they hosting Chattanooga. And, and how are they going to respond to, to week two? We asked how they would respond to week one, and, and here we are. Um, but let's talk first about Alabama-South Carolina and then other games that we see on the schedule in the SEC this weekend that aren't really big headline games.
1: Well, I mean, you, you look at the South Carolina team, they, they, they let one get away against North Carolina. Give North Carolina credit, they beat Miami last night, which was a big win for Mac Brown to, to start out 2-0 and there. Uh, very, very impressive coaching job for him. Uh, and North Carolina only won two games all of last year. So, Will Muschamp said last week we're going to go back uh, and every, every position is open. Uh, we're going to start over. And, uh, listen, Ryan Holinsky, uh, who is a, I think the highest rated recruit that, that Will Muschamp's ever signed, comes in, they move their family from Washington State over to, uh, to South Carolina. He got a start yesterday, and I thought he played spectacular, uh, yesterday. They also, uh, Rico Dowdell and also, uh, Tavian Feaster, the tailback for them, uh, it, it, the transfer for Clemson had big days yesterday, so, uh, again, this was a game, this was a stat game, a feel good about yourself ball game. Went out and put 72 points up against a very overmatched opponent. Uh, they, don't, they don't match up very well uh, with Alabama. We all remember what happened in 2010 when Alabama rolled into South Carolina defending national champs and yep. Steven Garcia and Marshawn Lattimore, and, and that group had a Jadavion Clowney. I mean, they had a great, great plan for Alabama that day and, and beat them and probably one of the program's biggest wins uh, of all time. So I don't, I don't think that's going to happen this week. Uh, Alabama's cre- clearly uh, clear- clearly better. They're favored now by 24-and-a-half. That line came out about an hour ago. Uh, it opened at 21. It's up to 24-and-a-half now. So uh, this will, it'll be a fun trip for, for Tide fans, and you're right about the schedule next week. Uh, we and The schedule this, this next week is, is one of the worst of the year, collectively across the entire landscape of college football so it's kind of good Bama's getting conference play started this will kind of be the headliner game on Saturday 2 30 CBS's first game of the year so I expect Alabama to play a whole lot better it's the conference opener it's on the road I think Alabama plays much better on the road than it does at home even though you just mentioned the winning streak at home and Uh, I think Alabama's winning percentage all time went to 83% at home too, William, which is the greatest, uh, the highest winning percentage of any team in college football history at home. Right. So that's a big big deal too, but I I think Alabama plays better on the road. I think they'll play better Saturday, and I'm looking forward to uh, to Alabama's trip to uh, Columbia uh, this weekend.
0: I am too. I'm traveling up Friday afternoon, going to stay at the Lake up there in South Carolina, and uh, there's just something about this, this kind of sense of pride you get, of, of school pride, that you, you travel, and you go on the road, you go into someone else's stadium, and especially if you're a team like Alabama and you're a fan of Alabama, you kind of have this chip on your shoulder like, we're about to take over and we're going to own this place and they're all going to be gone by halftime. I experienced it last year uh, in Knoxville, I experienced it in Oxford, and I'm hopefully going to experience that same type of result this weekend. Um, you sound
1: like me, man. I love, I have, uh, you know, when I was a younger kid uh, growing up, I've always enjoyed going to the road games, much more than going home. I mean, I love Alabama home games. That's obviously special. But going on the road and, and as you mentioned, playing in Knoxville and playing at Auburn and playing in Baton Rouge and and going to places like this, like South Carolina is a place where, you know, Alabama hasn't played traditionally many times. Uh, I think they went up there, uh, I believe they went there in 1993 when Jay was the quarterback and won. I think they played up there again in 2002 or 2001 when Franchione was there. And then in 2010, or, yeah, I believe it was uh, yeah, 05 they went up there too, and Tyrone Prothrow had a big game. And Alabama finally got a win in that stadium again. So, yeah, I, I think I think these road games are fun. They're enjoyable for the fans. And uh, it, it is a great source of pride going on the road representing your team. It's, it's a lot of fun, man.
0: One thing about uh... – this game this weekend that Alabama fans can kind of look at kind of the breakdown and not really know what to expect from the South Carolina team and that they're one and one they had that loss to North Carolina, but Helensky, uh, put up 72 points, and he and his offense put up 72 points against Charleston sure yesterday, and so that actually kind of plays into Alabama's favor of Coach Saban now has more film to look at uh, because they didn't have much on this kid at all, you know, maybe you could look at his high, high school tapes and look at his tendencies and stuff like that, but before coming over here, um, or here, meaning Columbia, um, there, you know, he, was, he wasn't the starter at the beginning of the season, and so yeah. uh, with South Carolina kind of running up the score yesterday. Alabama has more to look at um, and can kind of get a little bit better sense of what they're going to see um, on the offensive side of the ball from the Gamecocks. But I, like you said, it's just it's going to be a fun weekend. Um, it, it is kind of the headline game. I mean, there's not many other great games going on. But one thing that I'm super super excited about. Is the road white jerseys, and I know a lot of people <laughs> yeah. have de- varying opinions on the Alabama, uh, the the home crimson and the road white. But there is to me, there is no better look in college football than those crimson helmets, and as Eli Gold calls it, the the how, however he says it, I can't say it. But the the white jerseys and then the crimson stitching and numbers. But uh, I'm fired up because those are always a clean look.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, the road whites are, are special, and, and I just mentioned Alabama has had tremendous success through the years wearing those uniforms. And, and I know the fans get a certain sense of pride uh, with those those white unis and, and, and the crimson helmets. It is a it's a spectacular look on a nice fall afternoon. And uh, you know, getting back to Helensky, and and you know, you mentioned tape and stuff. I I think he's going to see some things Saturday. He's probably never seen playing the position of quarterback. Uh, uh, Alabama's three-four scheme, and, and with its experience in the secondary, uh, I, I don't think Alabama showed much at all on defensive side of the ball yesterday. You really didn't have to uh, going against New Mexico State. Uh, this is a different animal uh, going against an SEC opponent on the road. You got to respect these kind of games. But I think Alabama will have a lot of things in store for him. Blitz packages. You know different looks that he's never seen, and uh, I, I think Alabama will do a tremendous job of, uh, of you know of disguising coverages, really, co- really confusing him. And again, when Alabama went up there to play in 2010, they were going against Stephen Garcia. He was a third-year guy. He, he was. And it
0: felt like he had well. been there for ten years, but he was a third-year had, year guy.
1: You're right. He had been there a long time, and he also had a lot of weapons around him. Alshon Jeffrey was on that team too. So that was uh, that was probably the best South Carolina team in the history of the school looking back at it. So uh, but a true freshman getting his first SEC start
0: gonna be a different animal when Alabama comes to Columbia on Saturday. We're fired up. Well Scott, thank you so much for calling in here on the Galloway podcast. Tell us how we can follow you on Twitter and a little bit more about iTalk SEC. Yeah, man, it was great being with you, William. I really enjoyed it. Uh, we're on
1: uh, 12 to 2 every day on the Jay Barker Show. That's on One Hundred Point Nine FM. and It's myself and Jay Barker along with Lars Anderson. We also have a number of other guests that come in during the week. And then I Talk SEC is on every afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m. Central at wearsportsradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at I Talk SEC.
0: Gotcha. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks, William. I hope to see you next week, buddy. Take care.
0: Thank you to Scott Moore of italkSEC SEC for joining the Galloway podcast. As he said, you can follow him on Twitter at iTalk SEC. Really enjoyed the conversation with him. And if you have heard him speak in person, like at, at, at an event or something, and if you've heard his impressions, please tweet me. Please tweet him and let him know because his impressions, especially of college football, NFL, um, just sports personalities in general, are one of the funniest things I've ever heard. We went into the Jay Barker uh, show I did probably two or three weeks ago. It was right before school started, whenever it was. Um, and we were sitting there after, after Jay's show, And he was doing impressions, and I kid you not, I was howling, laughing. I mean, I was rolling in laughter. He's one of the funniest people I've ever met. His impressions and impersonations um, of college athletes, college coaches, his Steve Spurrier one is what almost brought me to tears. So I really enjoyed that talk with Scott. Definitely give him a follow on Twitter. And uh, just enjoy the conversation. I hope you did as well. Please tweet me at WM underscore Galloway with any feedback here on the Galloway podcast. So thanks. One more time to Scott Moore for joining the Galloway Podcast. Uh, Our last segment today, before we close things out, thanks for sticking with us and really hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you have any suggestions on who to talk to, please tweet me and let me know. Uh, Hopefully we'll get some more of Scott Moore here on the podcast. But a couple thoughts about the Alabama game and then – also, we're going to talk about quarterbacks first, and then we'll get to the Alabama game. Just a couple thoughts I had on the game to experience, stadium, student tickets, stuff like that. Uh, but we're going to jump and look at these quarterback passing numbers. If you follow me on Twitter, you see that I post uh, just about every week now the quarterback passing numbers of significant, uh, notable quarterbacks and just kind of what they did in comparison to each other. Yesterday, Tua Tungvaluah, 16 for 24, 227 yards and three touchdowns. Bo Nix, 19 of 37 for 270 yards and a touchdown. Joe Burrow, as we mentioned with Scott, 31 for 39, 471 yards, four touchdowns and an interception. That'll be good enough to be the offensive player of the week. Burrow was just absolutely exceptional in Austin this weekend. If you're wondering what Trevor Lawrence did against the Aggies, as we did talk about the game, we didn't look at his numbers though, 24 for 35 for 268 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Uh, for Ohio State, Justin Fields went 20-for-25 20 for 224 yards, two touchdowns. Jake Fromm for the Bulldogs had a low passing number day, 10-for-11 uh, for 166 yards and a touchdown. And also that game, Sam Ellinger went 31-for-47, that game talking about the LSU-Texas game, 31-for-47, uh, 401 yards, four touchdowns. Kelly Bryant from Missouri as the Tigers avenge their week one loss to go – Uh, Even at 500, Kelly Bryant went 17 for 25, 150 yards, and three touchdown passes. Jalen Hurts, Alabama's former quarterback, and Crimson Tide fans are still following him very faithfully. I am checking out his numbers, following, and trying to watch his games every week as well. Went 14 for 18 for 259 passing yards and three touchdowns. So that is a look at the quarterback passing numbers for this weekend. And wrapping things up, just a few final closing thoughts on the Alabama game. Student attendance. Uh... We can have this discussion on Twitter, we can have it in person, whatever you want to do, but Alabama students are are going for the games and they're trying to stay. There were plenty of people trying to leave the game yesterday early, and they did because of the heat, and to be honest, I can't blame them. I mean, you're it, it's sweltering, it feels like it's over 100 degrees outside, it's literally in the upper 90s, so it almost is, and... People aren't properly hydrated. They're not ready. They didn't eat enough for the game. Whatever the circumstance is, people are just crumbling and dropping like flies. And so people had to leave. But I will say there were a lot of people that stayed. And so you can't really get mad at the student section because the upper decks were just about empty. The sunny side of the stadium was just about empty as well in the fourth quarter. And there were a good number of students leaving trying to get those tied loyalty points signing out yesterday. Now, one thing I will say about the app, it did not work yesterday. Some people got their app to work. Maybe they went to a kiosk and talked to a variety of people, different people, and got their app to work. But if you have that Tide Loyalty Points app and you are an Alabama student, I'm expecting that that will get fixed by the next home game in two weeks when the Tide takes on Southern Miss. But 100 points for attending the game, an extra, I think it's 150 points, 125, whatever it is, for... Staying for four, um, and there were literally students leaving the gates that were signing their names on a sheet of paper and writing their campus wide identification number just so they can get credit for going to the game. You can also appeal within the app. You can go into the app. You can send pictures of you at the game or or pictures you took at the game uh, and write a little explanation trying to appeal and get your points. That's what I did yesterday when I got home from yesterday's game against New Mexico State. But a lot of difficulty there, and uh, I just don't think the app was ready for a magnitude of... 20,000 students or however many showed up and tried to use the app at one time, especially when it's tracking your location, when it's doing all these things and running your phone battery down. Regardless, I didn't have any battery at the end of the game, so I couldn't sign out even if I wanted to. um, so that is kind of the update on the student ticket app. Also, when it comes to the game day experience, uh, Dixie Land Delight was back. That was fun. I'm sure everybody kind of saw that, heard what happened there with that song coming back. It came back at the end of the third quarter. Uh, not exactly the end, but uh, I think it was about three minutes left, and they were playing it during a TV timeout uh, with three minutes left to go. It was not the transition from third quarter to fourth quarter song like last year, so we'll see how that pans out at the rest of the home games for Alabama. Uh, The music, I wish it was a little bit louder. Couldn't really hear it. Granted, it was the light of day, and it wasn't really echoing as well, but I wish they would turn that music up just a little bit, and maybe uh, Tyo Cruz, that music from 2008, if we can kind of bump that kind of down the list, further down the charts, and maybe play some more recent stuff, I think a lot of fans would be happy. I think more students would be happy. I think the players would be happy because a lot of this music that they're playing to get these players pumped up, pregame was great. But in the game, that kind of hype music from when the players were, I don't know, in fifth, sixth, seventh grade is not really as popular today as it was 10 years ago. So I hope we can get some more... um, more music that is a little bit more modern, so, but we'll see about that in the future. They did respect the wishes of fans and do that last year, um, and, and there was a variety of music played yesterday. Uh, when it comes to the field, Mac Jones got some snaps and the, the game itself. He was 5-9 for nine for 58 yards and a touchdown, so good to see him kind of get some experience. Talia got in there a little bit. Uh, Alabama played really well. One last note about that game. Henry Ruggs, as Scott talked about, caught that pass for 75 yards on the very first play and went to the house. He caught it on the 20-yard line, and in a net of 80 yards, he juked out a couple people, not majorly, but he was stepping out of his way. It was not a dead sprint to the end zone. He went 80 yards in a total of nine seconds while maneuvering his way through the defense, and he slowed down at the end. That is freakish, freakish fast. The freakish crazy, and that was truly one of the most impressive runs by Ruggs I've ever seen. Jerry Judy, I think now is 20 touchdowns at Alabama, touchdown receptions, uh, and and Ruggs is on his tail. I think he's at 16, maybe 17. Whatever the number is, those guys are doing exceptionally well. Uh, the whole offense is playing well. The team's playing well. I'm very excited for Columbia next week and look forward to next week's podcast. Stay tuned. Going to tell you all about the experience there, talk about the game, and then talk about upcoming week four on the next podcast as we've got some bigger games uh, in two weeks than we do in this upcoming weekend, especially when it comes to uh, various SEC games and stuff. But thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for listening to the Galloway Podcast. Just a reminder, we are going to start doing some merchandise, so be on the lookout for that on Twitter. Follow me at WM underscore Galloway. We start selling some hats here pretty soon, placing an order tomorrow for Galloway Podcast hats and maybe some other merchandise, so stay tuned. Be sure to follow on Twitter there. Uh, Thanks to Scott Morf coming on and and talking to us here on the podcast. Remember to give him a follow on Twitter at italkSEC. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Any feedback you have, please tweet me, uh, contact me, however you can get in touch, whatever your form of social media is. Give me a follow and share this podcast on SoundCloud and Spotify, the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway. Thanks for listening and have a great week.